Hello and welcome to the Practical Magic Podcast, a weekly dive into ways in which we can live a calmer, more creative and empowered life on our own terms. I'm Kate Taylor, Creativity and Empowerment Coach, and I'm on a mission to help us live an embodied life full of creative expression through my blended melting pot of goodness I call Practical Magic. Welcome, welcome, welcome. It's lovely to have you along, listeners. Today, I'm in conversation with the lovely Susie Redding, who is the author of Self-Care Revolution. We're going to be talking a lot about this book and Susie's incredible vitality wheel and everything within it that can help us come back to our vitality and all things regarding our self-care. So a bit about Susie before we get started. She's the mother of two, a chartered psychologist, yoga teacher and health coach, and she specializes in self-care to help people manage stress, emotions and energetic bank balance, which is something that we can all do with a bit more of. So it was Susie's life experience of motherhood that collided with her father's terminal illness that sparked her passion for self-care and she now teaches this to her clients young and old to be able to cope during periods of stress loss and change and to enable us to boost our resilience in the face of future challenges. Susie's also a contributing editor for Psychologies magazine and the psychology expert for well-being brand Neom Organics. She's also founding member of the Nourish app. And just reading in terms of Susie's amazing profile, so she figured her figure skated her way through her childhood, where she grew up on the northern beaches in Sydney, and may, now makes her home in the hills of Hertfordshire, UK. You're going to really enjoy this podcast. There's loads and loads and loads of brilliant tips in here to help us manage our self-care. So pull up a chair, grab yourself a cuppa, and let's get the self-care on. So welcome to the show, the lovely Susie. I'm so pleased to be speaking with you, lovely one. I wondered if you could do us the honour of introducing yourself and your work and why you do what you do. Sure. Well, firstly, thank you so much for having me, Kate. It really is a great pleasure and a great privilege. Um, oh, and I just I love having the chance to fly the flag for self-care because, wow, you know, it's something that we've all heard about. We all nod in agreement about its value and its importance, but still it's it's tricky for so many of us to do it. So that is my my mission to empower people with the tools of self-care. And it's the thing that makes sense of my disparate training. So I'm a chartered psychologist. I spent a decade working as a personal trainer and I'm also a yoga teacher. So self-care is the, the, the thing that draws all of those different threads together. Um, but beyond my training, really, it was my life experience of motherhood colliding with the terminal illness of my father that firsthand taught me the transformative power of self-care and why it's just so darn necessary. You know, this is not just a nice to have, it's a must have. And uh, I'm, I'm yeah, this is the message that I'm sharing. Yeah, and like you say, thank you, because it is such an important one. And in this time when we are dealing with so many pressures on life, seemingly more than we've ever had, and that's by our own fruition, our own creation, obviously, with materialism and overwhelm and burnout, we tend to have these big challenges in life. You know, you share a very emotional, your very emotional and painful story of your father's illness and what happened around the first 15 months of your daughter's birth. I mean, you you know, whilst struggling with your father's illness and um, his, his later passing away, having postnatal depression, and, and yet you were you were really struggling to be heard around what was going on for you, weren't you? And I recognise that story, not just from outside sources, but also from within, of you feel like you're supposed to have the proverbial shit together, don't you? And yet, there's no, you you just can't do it. So, thank you for sharing that story, and thank you. It resonates with so many of us. I mean, what what advice do you think that you would give to anybody that maybe is listening in who may feel like they're in that position right now, or that there's someone that they know who they recognise it might be in that position? What are the what what would you say to them in the first instance? about getting some help and self-care being part of what they need to do to come back? Look, from my own experience, I, f- I found it really hard to find the right help. It took an awful long time to find the right kind of practitioners who 
I don't know, whether it's just the right modality or the right fit between people, keep reaching out. You will you will find the help that you need. Um, and, and first and foremost, just go gently on you. Um, you know, I have so many people that wind up in my consulting room saying, there's something wrong with me. I shouldn't feel like this. I mustn't feel like this. When in actual fact, they're just having a normal human response to life and, and its twists and turns. And and, and when I can say to them, hey, that's normal, how would anyone feel if they walked in their shoes? That's when some of that burden starts to sort of drop away from their shoulders and there's a little more space to entertain the thought of self-nourishment. And then the next step is to, to really build a very simple self-care toolkit of things that are accessible in the moment. And that's really what I'm passionate about opening people's eyes to the ways that we can extend towards ourselves a feeling of tenderness, compassion, kindness, um, developing that capacity to self-soothe. And we don't talk about this stuff enough. I think um, we need to have a dialogue and we need to be talking about how we nourish ourselves emotionally and energetically. You know, we all know how to look after the physical body. You know, we all accept that it's okay to go to the gym. But what about these practices that sustain us mentally and emotionally? This is the stuff that we need to be having a dialogue around. Absolutely. And why do you think that is that we don't do that right now? Do you know, I think it's just, it's change. You know, I think we're evolving, aren't we? Like 20 years ago, there were public health campaigns around, well, speaking from experience in Australia, there were public health campaigns around what constitutes healthy eating, what was a healthy relationship with alcohol, you know, don't litter the streets, things like that. You know, that that's, that's where public education was then. All of that stuff is under our belt now. We all know these things. This is just the next wave. Um, I also think that it's, it's a result of people being more open about um, talking about mental health issues. It's also um, as a result of the paradigm shift in psychology where with the birth of positive psychology over a decade ago, we switched the focus from studying just what wasn't working to looking at what are the building blocks to well-being? What does a well-lived life look like? What's the foundations of happiness? So with now a decade of research from positive psychology, it makes sense that these concepts, these skills like resilience and and mindfulness and post-traumatic growth, savouring, these are entering the public domain. Yeah, and it's interesting, isn't it, that they've collided, well, not interesting and not even a coincidence it's synchronicity isn't it because behind every you know for every light there is shadow and the shadow of that positive psychology is the need for the positive psychology because there is such a a, a critical mass in terms of anxiety and depression and what is going on in general everyday life that means it's necessary for us to have these things and we can't hide it we can't sweep it away under the carpet anymore does can we because you can have all of the 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 knowledge around health and nutrition and cutting down on alcohol but they become they're just one facet of health aren't they and the the mental health side of that the emotional health side of that kind of makes up and spiritual health makes up the whole doesn't it it does indeed and really there's no separation between them is there you know, you None think, at you know, all. Going, going for a run and that's all about their physical body. But from, from my perspective, I move for mental health and it's, it's just it's, it's changing our definition of, of, of health, isn't it? And looking at the mind and the body and not cutting ourselves off at the neck and thinking that's where it all happens. There is no separation between mental, energetic, emotional and physical health. Yeah, totally. And and actually, you can't do the physical health without tuning in with your mental and emotional because, you know, it's a bit like if you want to eat more healthily, I know that's very much something I'm bringing in for myself for this year because I'm really good at looking and being aware of the mind and the emotion and the spiritual side of things. The physical health, not so much, but I also know that this year I very much want to look after my vessel because the body has got so much wisdom to it. And it's, it's, you know, it's this incredible vessel that we've got to drive us forward and help and support us. But I also know that if I'm not well with my emotional and mental health, then my physical health, 
i.e. the way that I eat or the nourishment I bring to my body, I don't take care of because it's also aligned. It's also intertwined, isn't it? Is absolutely it's 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 just one one entity we are yeah one being yeah yeah can't we can't separate it out no absolutely and so I want to talk more about what self-care effectively I mean it effectively saved your life didn't it Susie so what what yeah what what definition would you give to the term because obviously you know we hear about self-love and we hear about self-care but what as a self-care warrior which is what you are what is your definition of self-care? Okay. Self-care is healthcare. That is it in a nutshell. Self-care is healthcare. It is nourishment for the head, the heart, and the body. And there's a second part to that definition that I hope will help people get crystal clear on the true act of self-care in the moment. And that is self-care is an act that nourishes you in this moment and the person that you are becoming. And that's what stops self-care from turning into self-sabotage because sometimes it's a little bit confusing, isn't it? Because, you know, if, if you've got a planned run at the end of the day and you get to that a lot of time and you're thinking, oh, it's the last thing I feel like doing, sometimes the true act of self-care is getting out there and going for that run. But if you've had a particularly depleting day, a very stressful day, then maybe some restorative yoga would be more nourishing for you in this person and the person that you are becoming. So that's the second part to the definition that I, I hope will clarify it for people. Yes, thank you. And and going through your book, I mean, we're going to talk a bit more about the book as we go through and we'll form part of the conversation because it's such a great tool. It's such simple, grounded, practical advice. And I love it because it's so aligned. As I said before we got on the call, it's so aligned with the Practical Magic Activation deck and, and the, the four pillars I have around calm, create, empower and vitality. And I love what you're saying about the person who you are and the person you're becoming because that energy and that vibrancy just means that we can bring it into the present moment and when we're looking after the present moment it helps set the path for for the future moments as well doesn't it so talk to us about the book talk to us about the pillars that you've got and the, what I wanted to say actually what bringing back to the point I was going to make was I love the fact that you bring in simple yoga exercises into each pillar so the restorative yoga for example you know one of my favorites as you've got in the book is just is to be on your back and put your legs in the air so it is really connecting in everything that we're doing and being with the body too so thank you though it's a great tool so can you tell us a bit more about the book and the pillars within it Susie sure well I wrote this book four years ago when Teddy was born. And this book was a way of me making a contribution on the career front while still being present for my little boy. Um, and I had lots of clients coming to me saying, I want to be able to integrate these things into my daily life. And I was forever printing out bits and pieces, blog posts and resources. And I thought, oh, I need all of this in one place. So I it began as sort of like a collation of resources and blog posts and um, my agent very bravely um, encouraged me to, to weave in my narrative thread. So there was, um, you know, me sharing my healing journey. And I think that's probably what's resonated most with people in that they, we're walking the path together. And I, I'm showing how, you know, self-care was, was healing and transformative. And, and even now that life has smoothed itself out, it's, it's the thing that keeps me going. Um, so the book has that narrative thread it's got my all of my tools basically every single tool that I've learned as a psychologist health coach and personal trainer is in that book and I wanted everything to be in the one place and what brings it all together is the vitality wheel framework and that framework is essentially uh, a pictorial uh, representation of the eight different ways that we can nourish ourselves and that's based on all of my study as a psychologist um, from, from all of my life experience. And it's all in that one diagram. So those eight different categories, they're not designed to be distinct. There's some overlap. But what it's designed to do 
is to help you in the moment put your finger on something nourishing because from my experience when we're in that squeeze when we're fatigued or when we're stressed out of our heads that's when we're least resourceful and creative to come up with something so we need a diagram to to jog our mind so that's what the vitality wheel is all about and Kate, shall we go through each of those eight different spokes of the vitality wheel? Would that be useful? Yeah, I think it really would because, yeah, like I say, with, in terms of practical magic, I have the four pillars, calm, create, empower, and vitality. And it's just really something simple that we can tune into. So, yes, please do. Wonderful. Okay. So there are eight different spokes of the vitality wheel. Um, the first one is sleep, rest, relaxation, and breathing. And the reason why I have all of those grouped together is that they all stimulate your parasympathetic nervous system, which is the rest and digest portion of the nervous system. And if you are stressed out of your head, if you are in the midst of burnout, this is what your body is crying out for. Um, but if you're finding sleep hard to come by, let's be honest, there are times in life when it's inaccessible, even when you're doing all the right things. That's where we have rest to make up for it, yeah, the shortfall of sleep. And in the absence of time for sleep, and rest, we have our breathing to work with. So there's always something in that spoke of the vitality wheel that we can turn to for soothing. I really like that, Susie, because I think we can put so much pressure on ourselves, can't we, to, you know, it, particularly if you're a mum and you are not getting the sleep that you would, you know, the seven to nine hours we're told that we should have, then then comes the panic, doesn't it, of, well, what what's going to happen to me if I don't get the sleep? And I recognise that, and I see that in friends who've got small children. And what the rest, um, what that particular pillar shows on the fertility wheel, is really simple key ways in which you can enhance that rest and relaxation and breathing into everyday life. For example, simple things that you can do whether you're at work, for example, maybe you could explain a bit more about that. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, these are simple little things that we can dot through our day that will just help mediate the stress hormones. So it can be as simple as lengthening your exhalation so it's longer than your in-breath or um, earthing the brow. This is one of my favourites where if anyone's familiar with child's pose um, where we come down onto the floor in a kneeling position and we bring our forehead down onto the floor or if it doesn't quite touch, then you, you make a towel with your hands. That simple act of applying pressure to your forehead instantly stimulates the parasympathetic nervous system, which is just like hitting the reboot button. Now, for people that think they don't have time for rest or they don't have the energy for self-care, we've all got access to gently pressing the back of our hand against the forehead and it's it's what we're hardwired to do because if you think about it if you get bad news the first thing that we do is <gasps> sharp intake of breath and we raise the back of the hand to our forehead you know think Homer Simpson this is the kind of stuff that we can dot through our day to make self-care accessible and potent thank you thank you thank you thank you because I think what's interesting isn't it about when the um the stress hormones are activated and when they're activated again over time and what happens with the body with adrenaline coming in and that spike that we get of cortisol is that it can take about 90 minutes to leave the body can't it and when you're in a state of burnout and overwhelm then it just keeps spiking and keeps spiking and keeps spiking and becomes really quite dangerous over the time doesn't it with the body wearing out the effect it can have on heart and, and, and all areas so knowing that rather than giving ourselves a hard time and going, oh, well, I'm not getting enough sleep, blah, 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 is that there are really simple things that you can do each and every day that will bring in that rest, that relaxation and that breath. Yeah, I mean, we do it in Koya. So in Koya, the movement practice I teach, when you've been into shadow, which is when you've connected to things in the body which potentially don't feel good or right, dependent on the theme of the the dance is that afterwards we shake so that's a way in which you can release tension from the body and again activate the parasympathetic nerve as well so you know it's 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 stuff that you can do with your body too isn't it so that moves nicely on to the next pillar which is movement and nutrition yes now the reason why i call that one movement rather than exercise is that any movement counts and what we're talking about here is eating and moving for mental health, for mood, for mental clarity. You know, quite often we associate exercise and nutrition with the physical body. But what I want to communicate is that if you want to think straight, 
you have to feed your brain. And if you want to feel effervescent, we need to move. Um, so that spoke is all about just, again, it's dotting our day with a little movement, with, with nourishing the mind, with health-giving foods, and, and just reminding people because generally, like I said before, in the moment when we're feeling that brain squeeze, sometimes it's because we haven't fed ourselves or we haven't had enough um, hydration. So it's there just to remind you, hey, when was the last time you fed yourself? When was the last time you moved your body? Blow, you know, blow out the cobwebs kind of stuff. Yeah, brilliant. And that, again, the constant kind of, uh, what I'm really recognizing the theme here is that it's not, self-care isn't something that we have to kind of say, right, on on my, you know, that this is going to become something that completely takes over my life. It's about retraining ourselves for it to become part of everyday life and actually taking a pause and taking a breath and saying, where am I giving myself nutrition? Where am I giving myself nourishment? Where am I giving myself care rather than being on that constant kind of hamster wheel of doing, doing, doing? You know, I would even go so far to say as, from my perspective, self-care is actually reframing how we see everyday activities. So I look at hoovering and dusting and tidying up. That's movement for me. I also see it as a way of clearing and cleansing my environment, which helps me feel more creative and clear-headed. So that activity is transformed from drudgery into a nourishing act. Now, this is something I'm doing anyway. It's a way that I can see that activity as something life-giving. So it's not about self-care being another thing that we have to do or an extra thing or something grand and elaborate. It's changing the lens through which we see our day. I love that reframe. So everything, everything we can do can be an act of self-care. Oh, that's, thank you. Okay, right, let's move on to the next. There are so many everyday things that you can reframe in that way. You know, the like the, the way that you shower, the way that you dress, the way that you eat. Um, your internal dialogue. And that, that takes us on to our next one, which is coping skills. And I think that inner dialogue is really, really critical. So with coping skills, what we're tapping into there are sort of the, st- the standard sort of CBT skills of chunking down, of, of, of making our thinking more constructive. But it's also other things like using a mantra or primer statements to, to harness the mind. Um, one of my favourites is the blue circle of control, where if we imagine in front of us a a vivid blue circle, everything within that circle is what what lies within our power. Outside of that circle is white, and that white denotes everything that lies beyond our influence. And so the exercise is when we find ourselves in a moment of stress, the question we ask is, can I do anything about this? Because so often we're in a flap about stuff that we have no influence over. So the blue circle of control just reminds you of where it is that you can take action, where it is that you should be placing your energy and attention. And if you can't do anything about it, there's no effort, will or wishing that's going to make a lick of difference, so we've got to drop it. So that's the kind of coping skill that um, you could annotate the vitality wheel with those specific skills to help you remember in the moment something that's going to be useful. Yes. And I, and interesting that you said this because I used this with a client myself over the last couple of days, it, it, you know, based on that, based on that circle of what we can do something about and outside of it being something that we have no control over. And it is really interesting because again, it's another free frame, isn't it? Because what we can do is when we're feeling stressed and overwhelmed is that we tend to go into um, complete disaster zone you don't we we kind of go into dramatization of all the things that might happen or could happen and actually this does bring it back to well what do I need to do just right in this minute and what what actually can I let go of here just for now yeah it just refines our thinking doesn't it what is happening what is happening in this moment what is truly required of me can I let other people have their stuff (laughs) and can I just be okay with life as it unfolds in this moment and, and then I love that because it does bring you back to a moment of presence, doesn't it? Like I say, rather than going into disaster movie, catastrophizing and generalizing, you know, this always happens to me. Well, actually, when you come back to your blue circle, just focusing on the situation that you have at hand. Just this moment at hand. Yeah, totally. 
keep, keep things, things small. small. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Because we do, we just, you know, that that's kind of like, I don't know for me from a very personal level is that I get so excited by life, you know, I get so excited. I have a shower of dreams in the morning. I come up with a million ideas and then I go about doing them all. And then I kind of get to a point of like, well, how the hell am I going to do all of this? But prioritization, planning, getting support, just measuring it out and going and actually I think one of the other things that you talk about is learning where you can say no to things as well oh my god what a joy and giving yourself permission to say no (laughs) yeah yeah really important lessons to learn and we learn them all together sometimes several times over (laughs) yeah and and, and I think the repetition you know we have to keep learning that we have to keep sharing that we have to keep talking about it as well don't we absolutely yeah okay let's move on to the next pillar which is physical environment yes so Physical environment is referring to how our environment affects our well-being, our mental clarity. So the environment that you live in, that you commute in, that you work in affects how you feel. So this is reminding us that an act of self-care can be clearing the environment. It can be really the mantra is outer order creates inner harmony. Um, So how is it that we can create more harmony in our environment? It's also um, on a a micro level, the skin that we live in. So it's kind of those traditional ideas of self-care, of nourishing your skin, you know, having having your hair done, um, lovingly applying some hand balm, some body lotion, nourishing the skin that you live in. And it's also reminding us of the vastly therapeutic benefits of being in nature whether that's getting out in it, whether it's watching it in your mind's eye. You know, I my spiritual home is a million miles away, but I tell you what, I take a walk on Curl Curl Beach every day in my mind, just imagining the sensation of it. Or, or maybe it's listening to nature recordings, whatever it is. Um, nature is enormously soothing and healing. So that's the physical environment spoke of the vitality wheel. Mm. And that connection to nature, connection to our physical environment, it is because it's, it's the ultimate grounding, isn't it? So I love the fact that you use that visualization of your spiritual home. I, I've spent some time, um, I was really lucky enough to spend some time on this incredible island, Obanyan, in the last couple of years. And one of the um, girlfriends who I connected with and became really close friends with over that time had a recording of the cicadas that, you know, would play this beautiful song whilst we were on the island and she brought it home with her because she knew that every time that she played it it would just transport her to the feel of sun on her skin and the sapphire blue waters and the journey that we went on whilst we were there and how healing and grounding that's been and connecting it in right into the moment because the brain doesn't distinguish between real or imagined does it so like you say when you go on that visualization I was chatting to a friend actually at the weekend who was saying that she wants to go on holiday so actually while she knows that she can't go on holiday for a little while what she was doing was actually daydreaming about that and I was encouraging her to again feel the sun on her skin where was she what could she see what could she smell what could she hear and I said your brain is taking you to how you feel when you're most relaxed so we can bring that into every day can't we we can. I mean, what a beautiful self-care ritual you've just d- described there. And you can do that anywhere, anytime, and it's just harnessing the power of your mind. Yeah, absolutely, because it is such an incredible tool as well as the body because the body creates the state, doesn't it? So, you know, the body will be able to, when we evoke that feeling of sun on the skin, the body then knows what to do to actually create that that feeling in the present moment Mm, mm, yeah absolutely very very powerful okay social connection is the next piece of the pie now the reason why I call that one social connection rather than love or, or relationships is that social connection feeds the soul whether you know the other person whether you know their name whether you're ever going to see them again or not so yes We need to be investing in the relationships with our nearest and dearest, and and that is enormously galvanizing. But also be on the lookout for being in tune with anyone that you come into contact with in your day. 
Um, and I think that really became crystal clear to me when we moved from um, Sydney back to the UK five years ago. I didn't know a soul in this town, but by connecting with the person that served me coffee, by, you know, if I'm going for a jog, giving a nod to that passerby, um, by having, you know, little snippets of conversation with other parents or grandparents in, in the playground, there was always that opportunity to feel like we are sharing a moment. There's a feeling of shared belonging, shared meaning, a communication of, of mutual care. And this is the stuff that makes us feel alive, valued, you know, a, a part of things. Um, social connection is, is a really vital part of self-care. And it, sometimes we forget about it. We forget about reaching out to our friends. Um, so the exercise that I really love recommending there is to generate a list of who's on your team. I like to think of it as my team of angels and just writing down all of the, the names of the people that are in your corner, whether they're in your physical vicinity or not, they might be on the other side of the world. Maybe they're people that you never have even met before on social media, but these are the people that are cheering you on, that are there for you. And I think that's a really, really uplifting exercise to do. Yeah. And it's like calling in the squad, isn't it? Because even whether they're physically there or not, they're still there, you know, and that may be uh, dependent on what your beliefs are as well. That may be people who are in the physical, but they be maybe, you know, it may be beings or energy that's in the the spiritual as well you know whatever your beliefs are if you choose to bring in your guides or your angels for me I love to bring in my mum you know she sits on my shoulder and whenever I call her in she's there you know giving me a, a spur on or a cheeky wink or whatever and I feel it you know I really get that sense of her being there so yeah that 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 team that you've got and I think that really helps Susie as well doesn't it when you're feeling lonely when you feel like you're doing it all on your own and you have to do it on your all on your own is that you don't and I know I'm terrible you know like let me reframe that I'm hard on myself when things get tough I tend to go inwards and I know you shared that you do the same kind of thing so actually to get yourself out of that is to bring in the energy of your team just by even giving them a thought and connecting in with them or what they would might be doing in that moment or how they might be encouraging you. Yeah, that's it. I think it also it helps to acknowledge that different people have different strengths and different qualities and come to the fore in different situations. So and I think that lets us off the hook too in thinking that we've got to be all things to all people. So with your team, once you've created that list, you have a look and you think about how is it that I like to share time with this person? What is it that they bring to my life and I bring to theirs? So there are some people who you, you go to because you need a kind ear. There are other people who you go to because they're good brainstormers. If you need a kind ear, don't go to the brainstormer because they're not going to give you what you need in that moment. So it's it's about being smart with how we connect with people and making sure that this is not a one-way street. We're, we're also being of service to others because there is so much energy there, isn't there, when we when we are helping others um, and, and just and plugging in. Really, that's, that's what it's all about. It's staying plugged in in a way that is appropriate to the moment because there, there are times when we don't necessarily feel like doing the same things and going out to the same places and we don't necessarily want to be around big groups of people or maybe that's what you do feel like. It's just acknowledging that there are different different times called for different types of interaction with different types of people and that's fine. And there's, I think what you, because I, I really tune in with what you're saying there and it's also okay to give yourself permission if there is an energy or a person who maybe you don't kind of need right in that moment like you're saying it's okay to give yourself permission to protect yourself and say not right now you know if there's somebody that you know who may be you know rubs you up the wrong way or when you want to share something with you you share something with them about your goals and desires that they can be quite dismissive of that for whatever reason because everyone's got their own story it's okay to to give yourself space from that too isn't it Absolutely. Yeah, I think I'm going to say it. I think we need to be quite mercenary with our, with our energy bank. Um, and, and that includes being careful with, you know, who we share our lives with and, and what shape that takes. And it's not about necessarily putting people in the friend bin, but it's just 
acknowledging that, well, maybe that person, rather than sitting down and having a, a, a long coffee, well, maybe you go for a walk with them instead because that might just shift the energy. So it's just thinking laterally, isn't it, but definitely giving yourself permission to to choose who that you, who you spend time with. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Cool. Let's move on to mood boosters. How do we bring mood boosters into our life? I love this one. This is this is probably my favorite self-care. Now, there are two different types of mood boosters. There are mood boosting activities and there are mood boosting skills. So this is really simple stuff. You know, mood boosting activities, we're talking about anything that gets the happies going, whether it's movement, whether it's a particular piece of music, it might be wearing a particular garment or a color or spritzing a particular scent. These are activities that lift our mood in an instant. Um, you, watching a YouTube cat video, whatever it is that gets you laughing, reading, watching, listening to something uplifting. On the other hand, there are mood boosting skills. And this is the stuff that I feel really passionate about because people say to me, oh, I don't have time for self-care. I don't have energy for it. We've got time for this stuff. It's about cultivating the skills of mindfulness, compassion, curiosity, kindness, tenderness and savoring now what you were talking about before with your friend imagining taking herself off on holidays this is using the skill of savoring and it's something that we all do often but we don't necessarily know that we're doing it and once we give it a name it becomes more salient once we're more aware of it you will notice when you're doing it you'll do it more often and you'll do it with greater effect and savoring is basically the ability to suck the life out of a pleasurable moment, whether that is by reminiscing about something that's happened in the past, whether it's giving your full attention with all of your senses to something that's pleasurable unfolding in this moment, or whether it's visualizing something to come in the future and happily anticipating it. So build your savoring muscle and you will have access to some kind of mood-boosting alchemy in any moment. And, and I, I mean, I love savouring. I love the idea of savouring because when we savour, the secondary benefit of savouring is that we have to slow down, don't we? So we have to we, – we give ourselves the opportunity to be in flow, to slow things down, to be present. So it's almost, you know, the, the analogy that keeps coming into my head is take a mental image, take a sensory image rather than taking an Instagram image. So, you know, I know when I'm spending time with friends or I'm enjoying myself, I tend to, I always go, I always say at the end, oh God, I didn't take any photos because I'm spending time savoring. So, you know, how yeah so on a on a very practical level how we can take an energetic memory shot of that rather than that or but even you know even when you do take a physical shot making sure that you go back and you scroll through and you spend some time connecting in with that image and how that ties into your 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 mental physical emotional energy too that's it it's, it's a, almost like a, a full body mind immersion yeah, this is this is something you you use all of your senses. You think about how, you know how it felt to be in that moment in your body. What kind of emotions were present? The emotional tone, the energetic of it, that what you could smell, what you could taste. It's it's so powerful. And I think it's important here, isn't it, to talk about the fact that you know we're not trying to we're, we need to feel all feelings. That no emotion, and I re, I, I really connected with what what you're saying in the book is that no emotions are bad. They're emotions, and every emotion is valid. So this isn't about pertaining to a state of happiness because that's ridiculous. You can't do that. But it's a full experience, and actually when we're feeling in a certain way rather than going you know say if you're feeling sad or you're feeling um anxious or you might be feeling despair rather than going in and down in the spiral and getting your leg caught in that trap is to acknowledge it to get that sense of feeling with it to say I hear you and I feel you I am feeling this right now and then when you need that mood booster to carry out some of the things that you were talking about there yeah, I, I think that's such an important point to make, Kate, that we are not aiming for perpetual happiness. 
it's it's not attainable and it's also unhelpful. It's just not real. You know, normal human life has the whole gamut of emotions in just about every single day. So, you know, we're not setting out to eradicate any feeling states. It's about bearing witness to them. It's about acknowledging that they are present and that they are there as a signal. And it's for us to use our discernment to then inquire as to what message they have for us and if we need to take action, you know, sometimes it's just, you know, for example, with grief, I, I needed to just allow it to be and to, to feel it. There was nothing to be done other than to feel it. Um, it. You know, I didn't want to distract myself from it because that that feeling needed to be expressed. And if I didn't express it, it was going to leak out or, or, you know, be manifested physically in a, you know, a gut ache or a headache or something. So it's, it's acknowledging that, that feelings need to be expressed, but also there are times when actually we do have to just crack on. Like I've got to, you know, if I, I have to go out on the school run in an hour's time. It's like, well, okay, so maybe I need to give myself a little pep here and I need to create some kind of shift. So that's where the mood boosters come in handy. But, yeah, this is this is not about aiming for a permanent state of happiness. It's about being okay with all of our feelings, making space for them, but also taking action where it's required and, and using these simple skills, these simple strategies to just give us a little uplift. Yeah, gorgeous. Thank you. Right. Goal setting and accomplishment. Okay. So now this is one of the spokes of the wheels that people, the wheel that people don't necessarily associate often with self-care. But I tell you what, if you want to create any lifestyle change, you are more likely to achieve it if you set a goal around it. Um, And really, if you're looking at trying to carve a ritual of self-care, framing a goal will help you do that. So goal setting is an important part of self-care, but it's it's not just forming that goal. The other part of the nourishment comes in reflecting on your achievements and noticing those little mini accomplishments in your day. There is so much zest available to us when we reflect on what got done or what went well. Um, so that's an important part of self-care too. And also adding to that as well is, you know, focusing or, or, or giving yourself that accomplishment and what went well and gratitude comes into that too, is that also bringing in the, well, what didn't quite go as I imagined it would do. So rather than it being a failure and I use the finger waves there, what went in a way I wasn't expected to and what can I learn out of that? So, so important. Yeah. Things things often go awry. Let's be honest. Like it's okay, you know. If something didn't quite come off as you were expecting, that's okay. But what is it that you can learn? This is a, this is about sort of tapping into growth mindset, isn't it? And just looking for those little silver linings. What what did I learn about myself? What did I learn about you know, my colleagues? What have I learned about people in general? Or you know, what skill did I draw upon to overcome that little hurdle? Yeah. So it's it's growing in the face of all of those curveballs because this is the nature of life isn't yeah it? yeah and it comes back to the blue circle doesn't it because when you realize that actually some things were out of your control then you get more resilient because when you need that blue circle you can kind of go okay well again what's in my control what was out of my control what can I do about it right in this moment you know what can't I yes, do about it that's right and even if it was something that you know lands squarely on your shoulders that's where you can say hey I'm a normal fallible human being this thing that I tried didn't quite come off but that doesn't make me a bad person it just meant that that thing that I didn't try that that thing I tried didn't work on that occasion and that's okay because this enables me to grow and next time in that situation I could try this so yeah it's 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 both things isn't it you know it's it's coming back to that compassionate lens yeah absolutely and I, you know we just need to bring so much more compassion into our lives for us not just for ourselves but for other people as well don't we you know as a principle of of love in the world but anyway right values and purpose okay so this is the last spoke of the vitality wheel again people might not associate this with self-care but i tell you what if you give voice to your values those qualities that you aspire to possess, just talking about them enlivens you and fills you with zest. So values are a really, really vital part of your self-care toolkit. If you think about your goals, they are things that you want to achieve. Yeah, that has an end point. That can be ticked off. Your values and your purpose are the directions 
They can't be achieved. This is something you live your life in service of. So really those last two spokes of the wheel go hand in hand. We, we set goals around our purpose. You, you're, it's about what's your why? Why am I embarking on this thing? Because I can tell you when the tough gets going, the goal in itself is not enough. You've got to know your why. That is the thing that will enable you to keep putting one foot in front of the other. Um, and, and that's the thing that brings self-care to life. You know, people say to me, I, I, oh, I feel guilty about self-care. But self-care is the thing that enables you, that facilitates you to be the kind of person that you aspire to be. So what are those qualities that you hold dear? Now, for me, it's I want to be a present, loving, patient, available mother. I, I want to be a, a loving, compassionate partner. I want to be an authentic, effective, present practitioner. I engage in self-care so I can be the best version of myself so that all of the people that come in and out of my life are best served by me in that that state of energetic vitality, fullness, a, a happy energetic bank balance. Yeah. So that's amazing. So those are the eight spokes of the wheel. I want to ask you a question because it's something as as we were doing the, the precursor to this call and something that came up. Was the the thought around guilt because so often and I know this is probably mostly women who will be listening to this the guilt is something that seems to kind of come along with feminine what advice would you give to listeners who want to bring in more self-care have been listening to this know that it's something that really resonates with them but may feel guilt because that means that they can't give their attention to other things sure okay there, there are a couple of things. The first is, um, here's a mantra. It's not me first. It's just me as well. Okay. So this is not about negating other people's needs or having to be top of top of the pile. It's just making sure that your health needs get a look in as well. Okay. I think secondly, it's really, really important that we redefine what we constitute, what what we think constitutes self care. You know, it doesn't have to be grand elaborate acts of taking yourself off somewhere else, somewhere special to do something special. It can be as simple as just being with your breath for three breaths or looking out the window and, and seeking a bird on the wing or harnessing the power of mindfulness. Now, if I said to you, use a coping skill in the moment, no one's going to say, oh, I feel guilty about that. Whereas if I say you must go off and have an hour's massage, well, that might sort of make people feel like, oh, actually right now that doesn't feel right for me. And that's okay. It's just acknowledging what is accessible to you in this moment and taking loving action on that and acknowledging that this truly is the ultimate win-win. And if you can't do it for you, then please do it for the people that are in your care because <laughs> they need you to keep giving and keep going. So please drop this idea that self-care is somehow indulgent. It's, it is not. It is the means by which you become the person that you aspire to be. And it is the gift that keeps on giving. It's how we can show up and be in our ultimate act of service because we can't do that and we can't care and nurture for other people if we're not cared and nurtured for, can we? It's just, you know, it just doesn't work like that. That's right. It's just being mindful of your energy bank. Energetic bankruptcy serves no one. No one. Don't allow yourself to be floored by life like I did. You know, all of this stuff, I'm coming from a place of deep authenticity, of having learnt this stuff the hard way. I made these mistakes. And I will never allow myself to make that mistake again because it, it, it didn't benefit anybody. So I know that I need to nourish myself so that I can show up and be the kind of parent, practitioner, partner, friend, sibling child that I want to be that's it's that simple yeah and thank you and thank you for all of the work that you do and bringing this to the world so how can we find out more about you Susie and I know you're doing Monday micro moments as well on Instagram so can you tell us a bit more about those and how people might be able to find you oh please come and join me 9am UK time Monday mornings we are building the self-care habit together with a Monday micro moment session um, we talk about different things each week we're looking at um, what to do when you're feeling blue this week next week we're looking at the antidote to anxiety. Um, most weeks it's just on um, live stories. Sometimes I, I pop something up on IGTV as well. So there's a, there's a little library of things that you can dip into. 
Um, and, and there's a chance to ask questions as well because a lot of the time, you know, you just have a simple question and you want to ask it and that's, that's where people can reach out and we can have a dialogue around these things. Brilliant. So what's your handle on Instagram so people can find you? Please come and hang out with me. Um, just Susie Reading, S-U-Z-Y-R-E-A-D-I-N-G at Instagram. Amazing. And I'm going to put the links up, obviously, to your book and Instagram, et cetera, and your website. Talk about, so you've got some stuff coming up as well, new books. What's coming up for you? You've got two coming out this year. Yes, I'm so excited I can finally talk about it. Um, 4th of April, we have Stand Tall Like a Mountain, which is self-care and mindfulness for kids and parents. And then July, we have the Little Book of Self-Care coming out, which has 13 new soothing practices. So something for everyone there. Gorgeous. And again, people will be able to find this. Do you have a newsletter that people can sign up to? Yes. Yeah. Just hop over to my website, which is susiereading.co.uk. And there's a link there to sign up to my, my newsletter. Amazing. So normally I would round this up with asking for three tips on self-care, but actually you've just given us a whole 45 minutes of it. So we don't need to do that, Susie. I wondered if you could share with us a song that really represents self-care for you. Okay. Uh, There are lots, but the one I'm going to go with is a classical piece and it's Air on the G-String by Bach. Because it just, do you know what, it feels like a full sensory experience. And I can listen to it if I'm feeling sad. I can listen to it if I'm feeling happy. There's just something that always resonates and transports me and reminds me of life in its full glory. The painful bits, the beautiful bits, they're, you know, they're all in that same moment. Mm, totally is a journey with a song, isn't it? Mm, definitely. I loved that question. That's, I'm probably going to be thinking about that for the next week yeah well music is the language of emotion isn't it so you know I always love to ask that questions because it allows people to one share their creative expression but just have that moment of tuning in with an energetic vibration which is sound and music and healing and all of that good stuff well here we are at the end of the show thank you so much for joining us to Susie and sharing your work thank you Kate I have loved chatting all things self-care I'm so grateful for the opportunity Thank you. You're welcome. Thank you, darling ones, for tuning in and listening to this super powerful session with myself and the lovely Susie Redding. You'll be able to find all of the links to Susie's website up on the the podcast page. If you have listened and enjoyed and found this valuable and you're on iTunes, would you do me a favour and just nip on over and leave me a rate and review? It just really helps to be able to lift our message and get this out to other people. And so this is all about self-care today. And just before I go, I want to share with you an online classroom which I've got going on on the 27th of February. It's the seven pillars of self-love and it's on the back room of one of these pillars of self-love about how we nurture and look after ourselves being self-care so do head on over to my website katetaylor.co and you'll see a link in the very top banner for the next online classroom it's only 20 quid we meet at 7 till 9 uk time and i'm going to go through seven pillars of how we can really nurture and have a best relationship with ourselves and how we show up as an act of service to the world through our own self-care it's super super important so it's 20 quid early bird it will go up later towards the start date if you can join live brilliant if not you get a link to the video which i will be posting out as soon as the class is finished so head on over to the website come and join in and i look forward to seeing you there if not i will be back in your ears next week take care